your greatest defining moment in life is before you you are you are not finished you're not finished you just begun it's not over until God says it's over so don't be lukewarm double-minded and looking back get all excited because everything is everything is on time everything is on time Welcome. This is a story that I'm not the author. God is the author in the finish of this story. He gave me a vision. And when he gave me a vision, he gave me the provision. His will, his bill. Here I am now in Australia. God will pick a man from the backwoods of Africa anoints him with oil, sends him as a messenger because God is not a respect of persons. You know, you're listening to me and you're saying, you know, I don't have a story like your story. You got a story in the inside of you. This could be a defining moment in your life. This could be the beginning of something big because it all begins by faith. All things are possible to them that believe. If you believe, you will see the glory of God. Do you know what God has in store for you? What the eye have not seen, what the ear have not heard, what is not ended in the heart of men is what God has prepared for each one of us. You have a destiny bigger than yourself. You got to go beyond yourself because God will take you. According to your faith, it will be done unto you. I came to Australia because I believed God and he opened the way where there was no way. They denied my visa. I had no way of getting the visa. I had no way of getting the money. I had nothing except God. All you need in life is God's hand, God's favor. That's all you need. If God be for you, who can be against you? The battle is over and the victory is won. We are not victims, we are victors in Christ. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He provides everything. He only wants us to yield ourselves to him and say, thy will be done. And not my will, but thy will be done. If you do that, you will have the similar story, greater, more amazing, because God has made you an original. There is an original narrative. There is an original story within you. And that story is discovering your destiny in God, where he takes you day by day, where he makes your problems into prospects for a miracle. The more problems you have, the more miracles you have. Rather than run away from problems, you should Take your problems to the Lord because he says, cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. I got into college in Australia, in Launceston, Worldview College, to major in missions and anthropology. The greatest place on earth, Worldview College, on the island of Tasmania in the city of Launceston. It's February of 1977. Here, I had so much fun because I was the only black in the college, the first black in the college. I was the first black in the city and the only black in the city. That was a lot of fun because when the queen came from England and there was a procession downtown Longsterston, and I went to see the queen because I came from Rhodesia, a British colony. So I wanted to see the queen. And all the people wanted to see me. So I decided I would join the procession. And I was waving at the people and people couldn't believe that here is a living black person, flesh and blood in their city. And everybody wanted to know who is that man? They'd seen blacks on television 
But here was a man sent by God in the city of Launceston and uh, in the college. I began to learn because God wants us to learn more about him. He wants us to be academic. There is nothing wrong with academia. There is nothing wrong in being intellectual. He just wants a balance. Because God will not give you knowledge. He gives us wisdom. That is the ability to use knowledge, to apply knowledge. But we have to acquire knowledge. Knowledge without the anointing creates religious legalism and empty religiosity, which characterizes most of the churches in the West. They know about God. They can explain everything. They understand sound doctrine, but they've not heard a sound experience. And the problem with Africa is they have the spirituality without the knowledge. And usually that leads to error. My people perish for lack of knowledge. That means the Western world needs to learn from the African church, the spirituality, the African church and the third world churches need to learn from the West how to have knowledge, to understand theology, to understand the historical, to understand the Christology, to understand the eschatology, to understand all these things that you learn at school. There is nothing wrong in going to school. God wants us to be academic. God wants us to apply ourselves, to learn, to spend time studying and digging because there's so much depth. There's so much more if you take the time and learn. So here I was learning, beginning to understand the deep things. And suddenly I became more academic and less spiritual because now I'm filling my head with knowledge and emptying my heart of the Holy Spirit, of the anointing. And I loved it. And it was fun. I loved studying. I loved being intellectual. But there was something missing in the joy of walking with the Lord, the simplicity of an everyday walk with Jesus. Just walking with Jesus, speaking to Jesus, listening to Jesus, just being with Jesus, learning from Jesus. God wasn't saying to me, you shouldn't learn all the things you're learning. What he wanted me to do is to have a balance. There's a need for a balance in our lives. During my time at the college, I learned a lot about the nations, the world in which we live in. If God sent us to the world, we need to understand what world did he send us to? Because we each have been given a world to bring Jesus. Go ye into all the world, the academic world, the political world, the social world. All these worlds are waiting for us, the people of God, to invade those worlds, to bring Christ, to bring the light into those worlds. That's why I thank God that I went to school and I finished school. During the time I was at school, I was still looking for the vision, the woman that God showed me. I went to this particular college because I thought that would be the place where the woman God showed me in the vision will be. You know, kind of like the right place. They're learning about going to the mission field. They have a heart for the third world. And that's the place to go to find a woman that God showed me. I had it all figured out. I thought I got it, I understand God. Thank you so much for the vision. Now I can handle it, I know what to do. I know where to go and uh, I'm gonna be academic, I'm gonna be acceptable, I'm gonna be sophisticated, I'm going to find the woman you, you sent me to find in Australia, I'm ready. How many of you know that uh, our stinking thinking will never, ever, ever know the ways of God? His ways are higher than our thoughts. We cannot, we cannot find out what God is doing 
until we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And we pray and we fast and we wait upon him. Because they that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as an eagle. I, um, I spent nearly two years wondering where is that woman? She wasn't there at college. She wasn't in the city of Launceston. She wasn't on the island of Tasmania. And I am looking for the woman that I saw in my vision that God told me. And here I am, the right country, and I'm looking for the right woman, and I can't find her. It is impossible to find the will of God without divine guidance. Only when God guides us and leads us, the steps of a righteous man being ordered of the Lord. That's the only time we find the right person or the right vision, the fulfillment of the vision. Because when God gives you a vision, he gives you the provision. His will, his bill. He is faithful. He never fails. So I am looking and looking and finally I came back to my senses. I began to fast and pray. I said, okay, God, I can't find her. It's not happening. Please, Lord, tell me where she is. This is a big country. 14, 15 million people. The same landmass as America. It's a big place. Where do you find her? I don't know, God. I don't want to miss you. I've come back to you from my intellectual detour. I've come back to the throne of grace. I've come back to the place of intimacy. I've come back to fasting and praying and waiting upon you. I need your help. I need your guidance. Show me, the Lord, where this woman is. You know, when you pray and you seek the Lord and you wait upon him, he will never fail you. Suddenly, God showed me where she was. But he didn't tell me, you know, like we would talk. God's ways are kind of different. You got to be tender. You got to be attentive. You got to be just uh, waiting just for his whisper. Otherwise, you miss him. In the morning, immediately after we finished our semester, our exams, and um, I'd moved in to stay with this family for vacation, you know, after the semester. And that was going to be my last semester when I go back to college. And I'm really praying, God, I'm about to leave this city of Long System. I'm about to leave this uh, great and wonderful country of Australia when I graduate. Am I going to leave without meeting that woman? There's so little time left. Oh, please, Lord, show me. Show me, Lord. We got to come to a place of crisis, a place of desperation, a place where you can't do anything because now I couldn't do anything but cry out to God. He was waiting on me. He's been waiting all the time for me to come back to my knees in prayer. There is power in prayer. Miracles happen when we pray, but always desperate prayers because God doesn't want to be another option. He wants to be the only option. As I cried out to the Lord, Saturday morning, at the edge of my bed, the Lord sent his angel. You said, did you see the angel? No. Did he speak loud and clear? No. Did you know he was there? Yes. Did you understood what he said? Yes. You know, that's kind of like, what are you talking about? How do you discern? It's called hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. The deep calleth unto the deep. The Spirit speaks to the Spirit. I had an encounter with the angel of the Lord. I knew he was standing on the, on the light end of the bed and he was telling me, I want you to go to the hospital 
The man that you met two years ago on your way to the college in Devonport. He is in a hospital in this city and I'm going to take him home at 9.30 tonight. I want you to go and see him and tell his wife that he's coming home to be with me tonight at 9.30. Wow. You know, what do you do with something like that? I, I jumped up to go and clean myself up to go and sit at the table because in the British world, everything is a protocol. These procedures in the breakfast time is breakfast time. You know, it's everything is structured. So I had to sit at the table before everybody goes to work. I had to, you know, have breakfast with the rest of the family. I couldn't sleep in, I wanted to, but God knew I had to get up. Because when I sat at the table, Maisie said to me, Robert, was, are you troubled about something? And before I could think about it, I said, well, the angel of the Lord has just told me the man I met two years ago, one night when I stopped by their place, he's going to be with the Lord tonight at 9.30. He said, wait, wait a minute. Are you telling me that the angel of the Lord came here to my house, spoke to you? I said, yes, madam. She looked at me like, you've fallen off your tree. Angels coming to my house here on the island of Tasmania, talking to you. I thought you were academic, a student from the Worldview College. You are weird. You're crazy. And she just looked at me like, she couldn't believe what I was saying. I realized I just said the wrong thing. So she said, I'll tell you what, I work there. I'm a sister in charge at that hospital. I didn't even know where the hospital is. I just knew the name God had given me and that's the name I gave her. And she said, yes, there is a hospital by that name and I'm a sister in charge at that hospital. So let's have breakfast and take you to see the man you say God told you. Oh. Before we left, she went and called the principal, the, the faculty, uh, the pastor I was working with. She called everybody to say, your student has gone crazy in my house. You send me a crazy man. And so she had the whole uh, board at the school ready for me. And she had the pastor I was working with ready to, for me. And she arranged for them to all get together at 9.30, Saturday night, and she would bring me to have dinner with them, waiting for 9.30 in order for the ax to come down. I knew I'd done something I shouldn't have done, but that's what God wanted. God leads us through crisis. You gotta be ready to see Christ in the crisis. We went to the hospital, she found, she said, is Garth McCulloch here? That was his name. And they said, yes, he's on the fourth floor. Sure enough, we got to the fourth floor and there was Garth McCulloch. He had an open heart surgery. He looked great. His doctor just told him, you're going back home on Monday. We'll discharge you on Monday. And uh, he looked like a man that was not gonna die. There was nothing that looked like a very, he was not a very sick man. He just, good report from the doctor, feeling great. And when he saw me, he just grabbed me and said, ever since I've been in this hospital, I've cried out to God and asked for one thing and one thing only, that I would see you one more time. This was an answer to his prayer. That's why God sent his angel to me. He said, the night you spent with us was the greatest night. It was amazing night. And I wanted so much to see you one more time because that night I rededicated my life to the Lord. And I just wanted to see you. I'm sure he knew he was going to be with the Lord and he wanted to see me. And God answered his prayer by sending this angel to tell me to go to the hospital. Well, 
We were supposed to meet in the pastor's house Saturday night. Members of the faculty, the elders, it was the Sanhedrin. They all gathered together because I done something to destroy the college. That was just unheard of. A guy saying, the angel of the Lord. How I many of you know that hearing from God is always kind of weird? We don't understand it. We don't even appreciate it. We like things to be normal and natural. But God intervenes. And unusual things happen when God shows up. And he showed up. And that's what happened. And sure enough, they'd arranged for the hospital to call it at 935 to tell them where the Garth McCulloch went to be with the Lord. 9.35, the phone rang. Garth McCulloch had gone to be with the Lord exactly 9.30. And they all looked at me. I said, we don't understand how you people hear from God. And here we teach the Bible. We create colleges and great centers of learning about God and we don't hear from him. It's amazing. We never seen anything like this. Could you please do the funeral of Garth McCulloch in Long Sister on the island of Tasmania? What a funeral. The biggest funeral and I was supposed to preach and I did. And as I was leaving, everybody was inviting me to their home, to their church. And one man invited me to go to his home in South Australia, in Adelaide, which was, you know, flying back to the mainland and to Adelaide. Well, everybody was asking me to go to their church, to their home, because they wanted to be with the men of God. Everyone in the world wants to meet a man called by God, anointed by God. A man walks with God because it's a rare thing to find men who walks with God. There are many preachers. There are many teachers. There are many pastors. But to find a man of God is rare on the earth. After the funeral, I went back to college and everybody wanted to know how to hear the Lord. And I had so many meetings and uh, meetings where I taught people about waiting upon the Lord, trusting his word. Being still and know that he's God. That he's not a historical God. He is not a future God. He is a present God. He is present right now. Wherever you are, whoever you are, the Lord is present. He's waiting for you to pick up the phone and call him and he'll answer you. He says, call upon me and I will answer you. Three months later, as I was praying, asking God, where is the lady you showed me? And God says, she's not on this island. She's in South Australia, in a home of the man that gave you his card and say, come and see me. It's in your Bible. As I think about it, God wanted me to go to the hospital I had to be faithful to tell what God had told me and lose all credibility and be treated like I've fallen off my tree. Sometimes God will ask you to do something that's not popular, that's not acceptable, that is weird and strange because he is God. One has to realize something that the universal result of the manifested presence of God, when God calls a man and anoints him, in every single case, all those who were called and anointed by God were killed, were destroyed. It's martyrdom. The manifested presence of God leads to martyrdom. And here I was experiencing Intellectual matadom, social matadom, are just being cut off because I was weird. 
But God was testing me to see whether I would be faithful. He didn't tell me if you do this, it will lead to you finding the woman I told you. Because God will test you to see whether your heart is in the right place, whether you'll obey him no matter what. When he said, that's the house I will meet her, I called the couple, the family, and they were so happy to have me. And the husband told me, he says, you know, our experience at the funeral, because their daughter was married into this man's family. He said, I left church 20 years ago. But when I heard the story of what happened, I returned to God and I'm seeking God and I'm reading the Bible because I know God is real. So please feel free to come and visit us. We'll be privileged, we'll be honored. It'll be a great thing to see you again. So I went there to their house. I wrote everything down because God had told me, this is the house you'll meet the woman I told you. So I wrote it all that he had told me. So I got there and um, all their daughters were married and gone. They were retired old people. And I'm saying, God, why did you send me here? Am I going to take someone's wife? God forbid. Did I miss the Lord? Because it doesn't make sense. Many times God does things that does not make sense. It makes Holy Spirit sense, but not natural sense. That's why people, when they hear people who hear from God, they see them as weird and strange because it is weird and strange because we're not used to walking with God. Not many people are seeking God with all their heart, with all their strength. It should be the, the norm. It should be the way all of God's children should be hearing from the Lord because he says, my sheep hears my voice. If you're his sheep, you will hear his voice. This testimony is about encouraging you to believe again, to press deeper into God again, to wait upon God again, to seek him with all your heart again, and to reach out. Because when you reach out, he is reaching down to you. He will lift you up. The Lord is your glory and the lifter of your head. In the morning, I'm with a couple. I'm sitting at the breakfast table and I lift my head and there is a picture of the girl I saw in my dream. A dream has just come true. Wow, what a moment. I'm telling you, that was a hallelujah, amazing moment. When I just looked and saw her, I went immediately back to my bedroom and I said, thank you, Lord. I don't know where she is, but I, that's the vision of the lady you showed me. And when I got back out, the lady said, uh, Robert, you see that girl there? She's just like you, loves the Lord. We adopted her when she was going to Bible college here. And she's just so much like you. I want to try to see whether I can invite her tonight for supper. I was beside myself. I'm telling you, I wanted to shout hallelujah, glory be to God, but I knew that was not the right thing to do. So I went back into my bedroom. I threw my hands up to God. I said, God, thank you, thank you. Let it come. And uh, I went out for lunch. And she said, I called her. She cannot come. She has a speaking engagement tonight. And that was the only night I have before I returned back to, to the island of Tasmania, to Longsystem, to Worldview College. Wow, it crushed me. I went back to my bedroom. I said, God, 
You got to bring her. This is the only night I have. And when she comes, I'm going to tell her what you told me. I'm going to give her the diary. And I'm going to tell her, you are the woman in this diary chosen by God for me. That's why I'm here in this country. It's not about college. It's about finding you. And tonight, I have found you. That's exactly what happened. At 4 o'clock tea time, I went out to have some tea. She said, Robert, Janet's appointment, speaking engagement tonight has been canceled. So she's coming tonight. Answer to prayer. She came. We had dinner, wonderful dinner. The first time I met Robert was over an evening meal at some very special friends of mine's home. We were just having a meal together as I thought and uh, it was a wonderful time of uh, sharing because he was at Bible school or Bible college and I had been to Bible college so we had that in common so we were able to uh, fellowship around uh, our college experiences. My um, initial thoughts uh, over that meal were that he was uh, a man who loved God and wanted to serve uh, God. Really that's about all I really thought that well this is a man who, who knows God I thought. The night that was very memorable even to this very day was as I was preparing to leave our time together um, that evening he showed me a diary and he said, I want you to read what I have written down here. At the end of dinner, I showed him my diary. I said, this is a diary and you're the woman that I saw in my vision. So I read it and it was all about meeting this uh, woman and this woman was gonna be his wife. And so I folded the book and handed it back to him because I didn't want to just kind of like develop a relationship and then gradually tell her, if it's God, it's God. If it's not, it's not God. So why try to do it men's way when you can do it God's way? Of course, God's way is disastrous. And he said, well, what do you think? And I said, well, that's a great story, I guess. And he said, well, you are that woman. I said, what? Not me. And she was just stunned. So she panicked. I thought to myself in that split second, this man thinks that I'm going to be his wife. Uh, uh, never, never, never. That's not going to happen. I wasn't even thinking of getting married for one thing. So why would this be me? I couldn't, it just didn't make sense to me that he would say that to me and that this story that he had written down was about me. I, I just said, no, 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 that's not me in my own spirit, I said to myself. As much as my flesh wanted to reject my meeting Robert and him sharing with me that I was going to be his wife, my spirit somehow felt that this could be true. And this, this could be of God. And so I started sharing the story of meeting him with some friends of mine, one particular friend at work who worked with me. She said, she was excited for me. And I'm like, how could you be excited for me? And she said, I think that's awesome if God is gonna do that. And so she said, well, I'll pray with you and if it's God, it'll work out. I shared with my pastor also, and he was like, oh no, no, God doesn't do that because I was very involved in the youth group and with the young people at the church. And of course he didn't want to see me, me going anywhere. And the pastor wrote a letter and say, I am the shepherd of the flock. I don't want you to ever contact her. God does not want black people marrying white people. You are a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I want you to never ever contact her because I am the shepherd and I'm watching over the flock of God. And then I told my parents and my parents were not very excited about the idea because I was the only daughter in the family. Um, and so I was very close to my dad 
And he uh, said, no, that definitely couldn't be God. He said, no, no, God wouldn't do that to you. God wouldn't have you marry a, a, a black person. So she went home till they're dead, and the dad said, Janet, no, no. My mom and dad wrote a letter to him and told him never to contact me again, have nothing to do with me, and so did my pastor. He wrote him a letter and said the same thing. So I felt, uh, I was relieved that I didn't have to deal with this anymore. It was taken care of. So there I was, I knew it was God, but everything shattered in front of me. Nothing was positive. It was no, 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 no. It won't happen. We don't receive it. We don't accept it. We don't believe it. Never contact Janet ever again. That's what the pastor said. The father said the same thing. So that ended my night when I believed God had fulfilled his word. Have you ever been in a place like that? Where you believed God was doing something and it doesn't work and everything goes wrong? They told me not to write her, not to contact her, so I didn't do that. I just put the whole idea out of my head that that was not God. He went back to Tasmania where he was finishing his Bible college training. And so I went on with my life. I finished college, graduated, and one of the pastors in Adelaide, in his city, invited me. Towards the end of uh, that year, my friend came to work one morning and said, I think that man that you met is gonna come preach at our church on Sunday night. I said, really? So she showed me the bulletin and sure enough, it was his name. And so she said, you come with me and hear him preach at my, my church. And so um, we did that. We went and sat on the back row and sure enough, Robert was preaching. And so after he'd finished preaching, my friend said, well, you're gonna go down and talk to him? And I said, mm, I don't know if I want him to know I'm here. And she said, ah, come on, let's go. So we went down and he was so surprised to see me. So I preached and at the end, here comes Mara. She says, I am Janet's friend. Do you wanna have lunch? I said, sure. She says, I'll bring Janet to lunch because I couldn't initiate. So I said, sure, we'll have lunch. So we had lunch. And so we visited with each other after the service and he told me that he was gonna to come to the United States. And I told him, the Lord has spoken to me of my next assignment. It's going to be in America. Because when I was in Melbourne, praying with an old lady, Eunice, she started drawing something. And she was drawing the flag of America. Then she drew another flag with a lone star. And he said, God wants you to base your ministry in this country with a lone star. And she called it a country, of course, Texas, <laughs> the Republic of Texas, it's its own country. It's been under six flags. And she said, you must go. And it was 10 o'clock in the morning. At two o'clock in the afternoon, Brian Lynette, the man that God sent to Rhodesia to pay my way to Australia. He calls me, he said, Robert, at 10 o'clock I received a word from the Lord that you must go to America. I have put your ticket on my credit card. So I tell Janet, I'm on my way to America. And I couldn't believe it because I had already arranged to come to the United States for six weeks vacation. Uh, and I didn't know he was coming over here. And he said, I said, where are you going to be? And he said, I'm going to be in Dallas. I was coming to Texas. My brother-in-law was doing his PhD and my sister was in RN right here in Fort Worth. So I told Janet, that's what I'm going to do. And she said, I'm going to America too. I'm visiting America with our church. I said, great. Maybe you can stop by and see me and my sister and my brother-in-law uh, in Fort Worth at Southwestern Seminary. And I said, oh, I'm not going to Dallas. So I felt real good that 
that I wasn't going to see him in the States. She said, why don't think so? Because we're going all over, but not Texas. And uh, we have the, the youth pastor, we have some elders with us, uh, chaperones, and it's, it's, they organize it and it, it will never happen. I said, well, if it's God, you sent you to meet my sister, see, so you can see the family. Maybe in the future, God might, you know, change your parents' heart, change your pastor's heart. He came to the States and I came to the States three months after he came here. And during that time, I was here for six weeks touring around the United States with a group. And we had three days where we could choose whatever we wanted to do. And so I chose to come to Dallas because Robert was staying with his sister in Fort Worth. And so I had in my mind that, well, at least I'd meet another person in his family to see what kind of family he came from. And so I arranged to come to Fort Worth. So she flew to Dallas, Fort Worth to see me and my sister and my brother-in-law. And she spent three days with us. Got to meet his sister uh, and her, her husband and their two children and I stayed the three days and so he was even more sure then that I was going to be his wife but I still I wasn't committing to anything but on my way back to Australia we stopped in Los Angeles at a conference a, a young people's conference and at that conference the speaker said that if you were planning on getting married you must have your parents approval or you, your parents must approve if your marriage is going to, to be uh, successful and survive, you must have your parents approval. And so that's the only thing I remember about that conference, but I knew that that was the uh, thing that would determine whether Robert was going to be my husband or not. That was the thing that I put before the Lord. If my parents would agree that this was God, I knew it would work out. So I called Robert from Los Angeles on my way back to Australia and I told him if my parents agree to us getting married, then I knew it was going to be God. So we both agreed that we will not do anything without the pastor's blessing. We won't do anything without your dad's blessing and your mom. Now realize something, I've never met them. I've never met the pastor. I'm in America and they're down under. I don't have contact with them. I have contact with God. I'm praying to God and asking him. And we both agreed, well, we can be just friends. If it's God, you don't have to talk your parents into it. You don't have to talk your pastor into it. God can do his own talking. God's got their number. He knows where to find them. And if it's God, it's God. If it's not God, it's not God. We will do only what God wants and the sign that it's God, your mom and dad will bless it, your pastor will bless it, then we'll know the Lord God has ordained it. And so I went back to Australia and uh, told my parents all about the wonderful time I had in the United States and saved till the very last to tell him about the three days that I'd spent in Fort Worth and had met uh, with Robert and his sister and family. And so when I told my family that, oh my gosh, I knew that ah, this is not God. So I, I felt like God was saying, no, this is, this is not for you. And so I was happy. I called Robert back and told him, just forget you ever met me. Just this is it. Now, time went on. I still believed that God has never failed his word. And so I, I went on uh, with my job and as the months went by, about three months it was, I believe, if I remember correctly, something in my spirit told me that I needed to uh, contact Robert again. And so I made a uh, cassette tape. This was back in the days of cassette tapes 
and I made a cassette tape, just told him about you know what I was doing and my work and my ministry at work, etc. And unknown to me, he did the same thing and our tapes, our cassette tapes crossed in the mail. I, I got his and he got mine. And so from there, we decided that we would just communicate with each other through, through the mail. And so we'd send letters to each other and cards and all the things that people are in love do. And, and so that's what we did. And we just said, well, if God is in this, he is going to change the hearts of my mum and dad. And so we waited and waited and waited. And at the end of that year, I went home for Christmas to spend the time with my family. So as we waited, Christmas came. You sit at the table with the mom and dad. My dad just turned to me and said, well, I think the best thing that you can do is go find that man and marry him. And then dad says, I want you to go marry that man because God has told me he was the man sent by God. If you know where he is, here is $40,000 to take to him and to get married. I couldn't believe what he said to me. And I said, Dad, what did you say? And so he repeated it again. And the pastor called Janet. I said, Janet, I got a word for you. You know the man you told me about? And I said, no, and I wrote a letter to him. I got another letter of apology and also I want you to know that God has told me that is the man that you must marry. From that time on, I knew that I knew that God had uh, prepared Robert for me and me for him. Now, when you look at this, this whole story, there is no way in the natural that it could happen. Everything was against me because I was not in the country. I couldn't go and show them that I'm a good man and, uh, you know, there was nothing I could do to help God to make it happen. God doesn't want our help. He is God. He knows the situation. He can intervene on our behalf if we are faithful, if we wait upon Him and we trust Him and we, we don't rush. Be still and know that He's God because He is God. You know, today, we know that we know that our marriage was made in heaven and it's being lived out on the earth, that we are chosen by God, chosen for each other, that our lives are a testimony to the world. Here we are, black and white, in Texas, in the South. We're talking about 40 years ago. Things were kind of difficult for uh, marriages like ours, we were not fully celebrated. But God made a way where there's no way. God gave us a provision to be married. Well, you say, tell us what happened. Well, she came, number one. <laughs> I didn't have a car. I didn't know how to drive in America. I didn't have a house. I didn't have an income. I had God who said, I put you on my payroll. Back in the old country, on the backside of the African continent, God has made us carriers of the Abrahamic blessing and the carrier of the Davidic blessing. And it is that DNA that goes back to David. He was a lover of God, and I'm a lover of God. And I invite you to love God with all your heart, with all your strength, and just believe Him and take Him at His word. When we got married, God gave us a beautiful country cottage. He gave us a brand new car, just a gift from God. He gave us the support we needed. Everything was provided. I mean, within weeks, in two weeks, everything was lined up when the time had come for us to get married. Because everything is beautiful in its time. Everything is awesome, wonderful, glorious. 
in God's time. Many times we are ahead of God's timing or we are behind God's timing. We need to ask God for his timing. The reason why things didn't work out at the beginning because the time was not yet. God was still dealing with me, still dealing with Janet, preparing our hearts because God is always a step ahead and everything is beautiful in his time. I want to say to you, there are things that God has shown you, visions and dreams that God has given you. They will come to pass. There is not enough demons to stop the will of God from being fulfilled in your life. There is not enough opposition to stop the will of God from being fulfilled in your life. There is nothing that can stop your destiny. You have a destiny in God and that destiny is funded by God. That destiny is for you to embrace. When you embrace God's vision, you embrace God's provision. If ever there's something that I've learned in my walk with God, is that God is not a son of man that you lie. What he said, shall it not happen? It will happen, but it will happen when you are faithful, when you are diligent, when you keep on believing and keep on trusting him and keep on waiting because he is not in a hurry. God is not in a hurry. He wants you to be still and know that he is God. May God bless you. I'll be sharing some more concerning the governmental anointing that is put upon me. Thank you for listening to Dr. Mawiri's latest teaching. Connect with Dr. Mawiri on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter to receive daily inspiration and stay up to date on his latest teachings. So follow, like, and subscribe today.